Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. amen. <laughs> Woo. It's been a good morning. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen. And uh, we're excited to be here and with our team and uh, just be a part of what's going on. And I appreciate Apostle Angie and Pastor Barbara. And, woo, appreciate what happened here this morning with Stephen. And, uh, I did get to meet him before he went off to... Jesus training. <laughs> Praise God. And it's exciting to see somebody hanging in there. Amen. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Wow. Uh, I can still remember years ago a pastor preaching about, I don't want to be a shooting star. You know, I want to be something that just stays there. So, amen. Hallelujah. I want to turn to Acts 21. This has been a good year, a busy year, and I want to say I appreciate when, when y'all so into what we're doing. Uh, this month in July coming up, we'll be going to the Navajo Reservation and ministering there. Apostle Angie, Miss Monica will be going with us out there. We're going to go to a tent revival, so we definitely need your prayers. Woo! It's one thing to be in revival. It's another thing to be in a Navajo tent revival. There's just no telling. <laughs> and uh, then the next month, the Apache Reservation will be uh, in revival there for a week. And uh, then in October, we're going back to Uganda. So God's, God's on the move. And uh, we're, we're excited to be partnering together with, uh, with Freedom Ministries and these things. What, you know, when you give, you become a part of. It says, if you give a cup of water to a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And so as you help uh, those that are going, you get part of that reward. I don't think it's fair. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to ride on the plane and sleep in the places and eat the food. and You still get part of the reward, but that's the way God made it out, so we just have to live with it. I, I say if you don't give, then you have to go, so you can make your choice which one you want to do. Amen. And I believe God's stirring the fires, the passion 
he's got to wake the church up again before he can wake, you know, before we can really touch the nation. And the church has kind of been asleep and just going through the motions, and it's time for us to get out of the motions. We've been praying this morning for people to get out of those beds and wake up, and it's time for the church to wake up. And I believe in general there's been a consensus around the church that, uh, you know, we're not satisfied just going in, going in and hearing a three-point uh, poem and a sermon and, you know, a little pat on the back and go out the door. There's got to be more. And, uh, you know, we need to apologize as theo- theologians, although I'm not a theologian, I'm just a minister, but uh, teaching people that what God did in the book of Acts and what God did with the apostles is not for today when it really is for today. And this is not abnormal Christianity or something above. It's supposed to be our normal daily lives. And the reason we need revival is to get a taste or a touch of what's normal again. Amen. And so God's given us a touch of what's normal, that it would be our daily lifestyle, that it would affect people around us. And he wants to do great and mighty things. So I think about a, a simple man named Philip. We'll read, we're going to go backwards in Scripture. We're starting Acts 21, verses 8 through 10. It says, On the next day we who were Paul's companions departed and came to uh, Caesarea, or Caesarea, and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. So here we find Philip later on in life. He's got four virgin daughters who prophesy. Man, I bet that was a crazy household right there. You couldn't get nothing. You couldn't do nothing that somebody wasn't seeing what was going on. Could you imagine four daughters all prophesying over each other? (laughs) Woo! So, but Philip's carried on something was imparted to him and, it, and he's carried it on in his family and now Agabus other prophets are gathering around it's attracting uh, other prophets to come Paul's there is there with him and God is on the move and you know uh, uh, they had to move from house to house and family to family and sometimes they were in temples and that's what God's beginning to do give us a network across the United States because we don't know what the future of our nation holds we don't know. We may have to move secretly from house to house. And we need to have those channels open. We need to know who's for us and who's against us. And, you know, we're going to have to open our doors to host people and make a way. And things may not be as comfortable. Uh, you know, when persecution comes, Iran right now is the fastest growing church uh, nation in the world. And the amazing thing, they really have no great leaders. They have no denomination. They have no finances. They have no building. All the things we think we need to have a successful church, they have none of. But they're growing like crazy in the midst of great persecution. In fact, they say there's only about 10% in Iran that are are the mobs and the riots and the radicals that we see on TV. And the other 90% actually love America. They're falling in love with Jesus. Things are changing. They're tired. They're sick and tired of what they have. And what's been given to them and things are changing. Praise God. So God is doing unusual things across the world. And sometimes it's hard for us to see what's going on around the world. Unless we have 
different channels besides the news channel because they're really not telling the whole story. They're telling the narrative that they want people to hear. And it's, it's time that we hear what God's doing. And praise God, we do have some channels and some different places we can go to find out another story. Hallelujah. So there's, there's things going on. We talk about Philip, and then we talk about Philip in Acts chapter 8. I'm talking about Philip because I believe today, this morning, that God's going to release an evangelistic anointing. It's time for the church to get it back out and do what we've been called to do, and that's to share the gospel with people. It's a, it's kind of, I don't know if it's a trend, but when I started a, a couple of months ago talking about discipleship, others were, and I found out a lot of other people were talking and prophesying. So it's something God's doing in the Spirit. He's saying now it's time to really study on making disciples. And I don't know if you heard Pastor Gary, a great friend of mine, part of a network, he told me, about that time, he said, I had a dream because I called him and I asked him and I started talking to him. And he said, I had a dream and David Hogan was in the dream. How many of you know David Hogan? He's a guy that's raised over 30 people from the dead and uh, doing amazing things in the kingdom of God. And first time I saw him on TV on a video called Faith to Raise the Dead, I said, well, that just proves right now there's real apostles today because he is definitely one. But anyway, uh, Pastor Gary had a dream about David Hogan. He said, we were in a small meeting, maybe 12 or 13 people in a building, and they were doing something like Facebook Live. They were live in it because they wanted to get the information out. And in the midst of that, David Hogan turned and looked me in the face. And he said, he said, I, I heard about, I read about um, This government organization, I can't think of it right now. I read about this organization. They talked about how things were going to be right now in, in this time and how things were going to get worse and worse, even though that organization really didn't, uh, wasn't here in the 50s and 60s. David Hogan said, I read about it in the 50s and 60s about what was going to take place in the future and how things were going to get bad. And he looked at Gary again in the face and he said, you need to stop doing all the other activity you're doing and go make disciples. I'm telling you, go make disciples. I'm telling you, go make disciples. He told him three times right in his face with his finger pointed at him, go make disciples. Now, if you've ever looked David Hogan in the face, he's got these steel blue eyes that look right through you, and it brings terror. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I mean, it's like the Spirit of God's going right through you. So he was, he was kind of awakened and You know, it, how God brings dreams with different people in those dreams and tries to get a message across. So I, I believe God's speaking to us the importance that we make disciples, that we get about doing God's business again. And it's not just for leaders. The leaders, the fivefold ministry equips the saints to do the work of the ministry. Leaders can't be in everybody's houses and at everybody's jobs. You know, last week we were in um, Powell's Chapel in Alabama, and this man, uh, him and his wife, I believe were baptized on Friday night, but on, was it Saturday, they brought this uh, young lady, how was Maria, 21? I think she was around 20, she was in her early 20s. Nobody remembers. 
they brought her to church that night, and she wound up getting saved and uh, got water baptized that night. But he said that in, in his factory where he works, it's, it's pretty um, full of sin. And he works on one cer- certain area, and she had to, she was changed that, the factory changed her position and put her over next to him, and he's been witnessing to her all this time, and he's been asking, inviting her to church, and she finally came, and that night she gave her life to Jesus. So that's someplace that uh, their minister, Pastor Dennis, couldn't be at. You know, people are... One or two things are going to happen. People are going to get mad or they're going to get glad. We have to make up in our minds we're not concerned with their, uh, uh, we're, we're not responsible for their outcome. We're responsible to share the gospel. Amen. Come on. We are responsible to share the gospel. And we're praying God would give us opportunities to share the gospel. We need to be praying for that. Divine appointments. God, give me that opportunity and let me be prepared and ready to share the gospel. I shared last night after supper some little drawings and stuff, easy ways to share the gospel. And, uh, and I was encouraged watching a video when about an eight-year-old kid is sharing the gospel out on the streets with people with a little whiteboard. If an eight-year-old can do it, we can do it. And what, where I learned some of this from was... Uh, Mostly Baptist. It's called No Place Left, NPL. You can look it up on Facebook or whatever you want to. We're using some of their ideas, and they're freely sharing them with everybody because they want the gospel preached till there's no place left that hasn't heard the gospel. But they're going into Ground Zero and, and uh, Houston and going in places in Miami where it's tough and hard ground. I'm saying, well, people that really don't... Um, flow and the power of the Holy Spirit can do this, surely Pentecostal people who believe you shall receive power to be a witness, surely we can do this. Surely. And I think we've had a hope that supernaturally the heavens would open and God would fill our churches the next day. But in reality, most of us wouldn't be ready if he filled our churches the next day. Because if he fills our churches, now we're responsible to make disciples. We have a responsibility. It's a a great responsibility when God brings people. Praise God, as God's brought Stephen and others that... We are fulfilling that great commission, taking them in. And I believe you have a heart. I know you have a heart to do that. And I believe as we're faithful with the one or two or three, God's going to begin to add to that. And, you know, when things happen suddenly and fast and very quickly, and praise God for those things, but a, a lot of times those things end suddenly and fastly and very quickly. But if we build a strong foundation and build people one at a time, it's something that will stay. You know, what if, what if every church, I challenge our church at home, what if our churches, I mean, we had a prayer request that God, by the end of this year, by December, I would have at least one person I'm discipling. One person, just one person. And uh, I believe training's taking place to, 
know what to do with that one person. So that means if we have 30 people here, there could be 60 people here by Christmas. And the next year, there could be 120 people. Because if we train somebody, if we disciple somebody and train them to duplicate, they will duplicate. They will find somebody. And they will find somebody. And they will find somebody. Because surely there's one lost person that's connected to everybody's family in some way as a friend or somebody, somebody we know or something. They're connected there. Amen. And it seems like almost a difficult task. It must be difficult because most of America is not doing it. Seems like a difficult task. But I think the enemy's just lying to us to try to keep us from doing it because it's the most joyful task. Are you happy, sister? <laughs> Are you happy, brother? Has that changed your life? Having this young guy in your house right now. Hallelujah. So in Acts chapter 8, this Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And in the NLT, when, it, when it's talking about that, it, it says they were all scattered in Jerusalem. Great persecution came. They were all scattered. Saul had just stood at the uh, stoning of Stephen. Great persecution comes. They're all scattered. But in, in the NLT, it says they went everywhere preaching. Or it says, for example, Philip went to Samaria. So it was saying, you know, you could read it, you could, you could look at that and say, well, that was just Philip. But the way the NLT says, for example, Philip was just an example. This was happening with the multitude that was scattered. They went everywhere preaching. Why, why do we need it to be at church during prayer meetings? And why, are we, if, if we really want these things to happen, you know, I've found, especially in America or pretty much all over the world, People can make happen what they want to happen. If you want to be somewhere, you can be there if you want to be there. I love uh, uh, our brother Ali over in Uganda. He went to preaching to those folks. Because generally at church, they show up 30 minutes to an hour late. You know, they come. He, said, he said, all of you are worshiping a tree. Said you worship a tree. Said if they tell you that if you can be in Kampala, which is six, eight hour, on Monday morning at eight o'clock, you can have this job that makes this much money. You will be there at eight o'clock. He said, So you're worshiping a tree because this right here is made out of paper that comes from a tree. So you can be there at eight o'clock to worship the tree God. But you can't be at church at 8 o'clock to worship the living God. I was like, and he's Congonese, so he could bring this. And, man, I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> what God are we worshiping? What's, what is important to us? Not How many people keep their job and show up 30 minutes late? How many days have you showed up late in the past 30 years? <laughs> Maybe twice. You don't keep your job. But you know what? We show up. Why? It's important. It's high on the priority list. So when we say, Jesus, take it all. I surrender all. I want to be a living sacrifice. How is that priority? Do we really mean what we're saying? You know, God's looking to and fro. He's no respecter of persons. He just, I like what Darla says, you know, showing up is, is most of the requirement for leadership, just showing up. If you show up, things happen. And so how important, showing up is important. God, God wants to do that, and God's looking. And see, people are waiting for God to hit me with something that so overwhelms me that I'm willing to lay down everything. When he says, why don't you lay down everything and then I'll hit you with something. I mean, it can, it can work both ways. He can come and just so wipe you out that you lay everything down. But how much more if we just lay everything down? Because if we want to happen what we're dreaming about happen. I mean, what, what are you dreaming about when you say revival? Are you dreaming about having to be in church every night? Maybe five nights a week, four nights a week? Are you dreaming about when you go home, it's hard to go to sleep because the bed's shaking so much? Are you dreaming about going to work and the power of God hits your whole job and everybody's out? And then what do you do with them? Are you dreaming about having to load people up in wheelchairs, put them in their cars and drive them home and carry them in their houses? It's pretty powerful. One, uh, Miss Regina, she's been here before and she usually, you know, she loves coming here, but she's moving to a new house uh, that they were able to purchase and she's, Excited about that. She wants to have home meetings and stuff. But she got moved in and she found out the people next door are partying night and day. Well, she just started sleeping over there some. She hadn't got everything moved, but she found out. She's praying the last time we picked her up. Oh, y'all pray. Man, there's a party going on over there all the time. And so she messaged on our group. And she said, uh, the people next door came over yesterday to introduce, them, introduce themselves. And they had been drinking or had beer in their hands. I, I don't remember exactly the point. But when they came over, they was cussing and they'd been partying and drinking. And they talked for a minute and introduced themselves. They said, what do y'all do? They said, we're ministers. <laughs> and the one lady said, why didn't you tell us? Forgive us for our cursing. And Regina said it wasn't long the party was over. 
And, and the other thing is they said we go to church all week and repent on Sunday. What kind of theology is that? But because Regina has set herself apart for the Lord, I believe there was great conviction. Because, see, anybody can say we go to church. Anybody can say we believe in Jesus. But, see, when they said that, there was something. The Holy Ghost pricked the hearts of those who were standing there that knew they were standing in sin and opposition to the things of God. I mean, they knew what they were doing was wrong. But, see, we want to carry such conviction that when we speak something, it's not, you know, we could try to grab somebody and squeeze them. I, I like this, this one pastor in Dallas. It's a pastor of a very large church, got born again in prison. And when he, when he went back to his cell, his mate was in there, and he's telling him about Jesus. He didn't want to receive it, so he grabbed him up and stuck his head in the commode. He let him out for a little while and said, do you believe in Jesus? No. Stuck his head in there again. Till finally, after his nose is bleeding, his head's all beat up, he believed in Jesus. I mean, we would like to do that to help people make a decision. <laughs> but unfortunately, we might be the one in jail. And where God is sending us, we can't do that. But where he's sending us to, we can walk with something inside of us. That the arrow of the Lord pierces their hearts when the things of God come. See, the problem with the church, we've been shouting Jesus all over the place, but there hadn't been any power behind the shout. But if God would show up, just like Philip, he went to the city preaching, and the multitudes with one accord heeded things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. I mean, are we ready to walk with this type of power? God, where is this at? Where is our cry? God, where is the God of Philip? Because it doesn't say any entourage, no worship team, nothing went with them. It says, Philip went into this town. And when he preached, these things began to happen. That's what our cry is. And that's, that's why God's dealing with hearts to separate ourselves from things so that we can walk in this power. And then if you read in Acts 6, see, I'm going backwards. Because now the apostles are at a time where there's a whole lot going on, and they said, we don't have time to wait on tables, but we need to raise some men up who can. And it's amazing. that the qualifications. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, chapter Acts 6, 1, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. 
Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. I believe business really is ministry. So, the church today is so desperate that they'll put men in any kind of position with no requirements. First church I pastored, the lady that was kind of overseeing it, People come in the front door, and she said, do you want to teach Sunday school? I'm like, do we know that person? No. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Can anybody sing a song? Why don't you come up here and sing today? Now, there's a difference in coming in and singing one song, and there's a difference in leading worship. You know, there may be somebody that comes in, like Stephen came in, and she invited him to sing a song, led by the Spirit of God. But there's another thing when you're just inviting everybody, anybody who can every Sunday to come up there and do singing. When here, just to wait on tables, to take care of the widows, to take care of these Hellenists. They said, there's a requirement for this deal. We want you to go find seven men full of the Holy Ghost. See, we got in our nation, we got board members running churches, deacons, bishops, and elders that don't know nothing about being filled with the Holy Ghost. No wonder we're in the situation that we're in. That's why we look so abnormal. That's why we scare people. Because it, it's a shame when the church is afraid because somebody stands up and speaks in tongues, has an interpretation, believes in casting out demons. I mean, just where you work at and where you visit, and somebody says, I'm a Christian, ask them about those things. It's a shame the most, which should be the most, the, the, the basement, the foundation of our Christian walk, they're terrified of. I mean, that's a sign of where the, that's why we, there's, that's why God's looking for some people who are willing to burn, to be, to be abnormal to the world. To be light shining in the darkness. When even the majority of the church today doesn't even uh, operate in the basics of Christianity. There's got to be a shift and a turning. And it's not a popular thing if you've got 5,000 people to talk about this. Because they may not show up next Sunday and how are you going to pay your bills? So... Pulpits are deadlocked because of their budgets. They can't preach what they need to preach. When you have a pastor that don't know whether he can pray for the president or not in Virginia, I don't know anybody see that. There was YouTube videos. And then he had to come back and apologize because he was afraid he may have offended some people in his church. By praying for the president. I'm so sorry. I didn't know it might have offended some of our community. I'm like, what kind of community do you have? What are you teaching? What are you ministering when you don't know the difference between good and evil? When, when what's going on is a blessing to our nation. I mean, it's sad when somebody actually has 
a little bit of righteousness who we all have to almost agree has been appointed by God because there's no other way he could be in the position he's in, but we still don't know if we can support him because it might offend somebody else. I mean, it's, it's bad when God said, I've sent you a gift. It may not come in the wrapper you like, but I've sent you a gift. And the church can't even support it. We bro- Oh, I'd rather have somebody in there that's for aborting babies and for homosexual activists and everything else. But, oh, don't bring us this man who's, you know, and who we can look at his past and come up. That's so funny to me. People keep looking at the past. And I'd say, well, look at the past of Saul. Should he have been writing the New Testament? He wasn't chasing after women. He was just killing Christians. So which would be worse? But as far as I know, in the past year, especially since he's been a president and before then, he's been faithful to his wife. I mean, we all have a chance to turn around. What is the uh, proof in the pudding? So, I I mean, that just gets, woo. And church, we neglect ourselves from being in the real war zone. Oh, we can't get involved in politics. We can't talk about this. Well, that's that's where the war is going on. That's where the battle's waging to change our laws to promote sin. If the church doesn't get involved, who is? It's funny to me when people, God has to raise up people like Candace Owens. Anybody know her? A young black woman. Tax have a voice to stand against unrighteousness. Who's, who's not even a pastor, but has taken a stand and gets blasted by the media and a lot of other people for what's right. Pastor Daryl Scott, I have to say kudos to him because he's taken a stand. What's Billy Graham's son's name? Fra- Franklin. I have to say kudos to him because he's taken a stand. The pastor at Liberty University, he's taken a stand. The unfortunate thing about most of those, none of them claim to be spirit-filled. All these ministers showed up to lay hands on uh, Trump before the election. They all had their picture taken in there laying hands on him but they went back to their churches and they didn't say nothing. It's a shame when a man has to tell preachers, you're the reason I'm in this position because you haven't done your job. And I'm encouraging you because somebody has to be the flame. Somebody has to go against the grain. Somebody has to lay down the gauntlet. Say, well, God, can you use, you know, I don't have a lot of gift and talents. Can you use somebody like me? Yes. So for us to contend, we have to know what we're contending for. You know, we're contending for a city and a county, but really we're contending for a nation. We're contending for a nation. 
We, we need to get things bigger in our spirit. It's, it's bigger than just me. And, and stop, stop looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying how small we are and how ineffective or there's uh, very little that we can do or affect. We can look at the greatness of what's going on, the corruption that's going on, and saying there's no help. But I'm here to tell you, we have a great big God. I mean, look at, look at Daniel when he was there threshing the wheat and God shows up and says, hey, I mean, the angel of the Lord, hey, mighty man of God. And he's looking around like, who said that? I'm looking at you. I mean, he's having to hide out and thresh the wheat in the wine press because they're overrun by an enemy. I mean, he had to go and fleece the Lord a couple of times. I can't believe you're talking to me. I mean, you really want me to do this? Are you crazy? I'll tell you what, if it's you, Lord, when I lay down tonight, I'm going to wake up in the morning and there'll be dew on that sheepskin there. And uh, then there's dew on it. He said, well, that couldn't be you. I'm going to wake up tomorrow night and let it be dry. And it's dry. He's still trying to figure out some way. God, you couldn't be choosing me. I think God comes along and chooses some of us. And we're, we're fighting with God saying, oh, I think you got the wrong person here. You, you should have come down at the house. Your GPS is not working, God. It's that house over there. Showed up at the wrong address. I can't even talk, Lord. I can't even speak, God. You know, I'm not able to do these things. That's why God said, I've chosen the foolish things. To confound the wisdom of men. But Peter and John, or James and John, when they, Peter and John, when they raised up the man at the gate called Beautiful, and then they're getting persecution for it. The Pharisees said, we know you're untrained, unlearned. But we can tell you've been with Jesus. We can tell you've been with Jesus. We can tell you've been with Jesus. How could they tell? It wasn't because they were spitting out a foot-long religious jargon. They could tell because they walked to the gate called Beautiful and the man got up. Oh, we can tell because you had such revelation of the book of Genesis. We can tell because you're a wonderful speaker. Those things are not bad, but that ain't how they told. That man's been there a long time. We all know it. And he got up. That's the same stuff Jesus was doing. So, I mean, even religious people could equate. Those guys been around Jesus. When you've been around Jesus and you speak a word, conviction comes on the hearts. Woo, stuff begins to happen. Why not us, God? Why not now? Why not us? Teach us how. Show us how. Well, Pastor Bill, Brother Bill, you just don't understand how messed up my life is right now. Well, you know what? It probably ain't going to get better. It can. Because a, a lot of the reasons we have messed up lives is because we made poor decisions. 
God's able to get us out, take us out. But the thing is, when, when you give, it'll be given to you. It's not just with finances. When you start, you know, when you got this whole bucket of problems over here, and see, the enemy can keep you focused on those problems every day. Everybody has problems. I mean, every time we go on a trip, it's problems. And that's every week, so it's problems every week. You just don't know what day it's coming. Broke down computers, broke down air conditioners, uh, d- division in family, cars broke down, things going on. There's always problems. If we live in a sinful world, there are problems when you came into the world, and there'll be problems when you're laying on your deathbed getting ready to go out of this world. But there can be peace in the midst of the chaos. Woo! Hey! And then as we decide, you know what? Because if you, if you go into ministry, you start, you're going to start traveling or something like that, you can guarantee the enemy's going to lay down everything he can, especially to make, once you're out there for a few days, you've got to come back. You've got to come back right now. You've got to come back. You know what? If you come back right then, you'll be coming back every time. If you give in, I mean, I've had people, we're leaving at 6 in the morning, they call me at 5.30, I'm just not going to be able to make it. Guess what? They never went again. But that, that's not to dissuade you. Well, that's a high cost. Jesus never backed down from the cost of things. I went to the cross and I paid a price so you could do this. In Romans 8 it says that his son was crucified. Won't he that much more freely give us all things? And as we turn our focus, because problems will come, problems will go. As we turn our focus off them and say, I'm going to do the things of God. Now that ain't to say, you know, some people can take that overboard and never work on taking care of anything. But as we seek time with God and go after heaven, it's amazing how God begins to start taking care of these problems. I mean, sometimes we can say, I need two more jobs. But what if we really took that time of two more jobs and set it apart for God? There's a story of a a man. He lives out in Arizona. And God was really dealing with it, and he, he was a logger. And so he finally quit his job. And he said, I used to work eight hours a day, so I think what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray in tongues for eight hours a day. Just like I was going to work. You ought to read his book. He's walked between wars. He's walked in areas where landmines were all over the ground. I mean, just amazing miracles took place. So... I mean, we ought to try before we get the third job. Let's probably, let's say that third job's going to take me about eight hours a week. I'm just going to pray in tongues eight hours this week. I'm going to see what happens. Now, if, God, if God's directing you and telling you, you need to be on this job because there's somebody there that I want you to talk to. Come on. But if God's not leading you and you're just, you feel pressed, 
You feel like you're being squeezed. That's not the time to do it. That's the time to pray. Until God opens the door. And some people want out of their job, and I say, if you witness to everybody that's in there, you've done your job, and then may God may release you to go somewhere else. If you want out, show up with Jesus on. Woo, they'll help you out. They either help you in or they'll help you out. I worked at a paper mail, and there was a foreman that harassed us all the time. He'd walk by other people doing less than us and harass us. One day they came and led him out with a security guard. Uh-oh. Acts chapter 6, when they had qualifications for choosing. You know, the church don't even like to hear the word qualifications. Oh, you're judging me. Oh, you're... No, I'm not. I'm just doing what God says. This is what he said. My first church, no, my second church, we had board members, and it was Assembly of God Church, but they'd rewritten the Constitution, and so we had board members. The only requirement to be a board member was to be a member of the church one year and get voted in. I mean, that, that's where, that's where the, of the, that's where you can measure the gauge of the presence of the Holy Spirit in a church. When we're, when we're bringing down our constitutional bylaws junk, we're bringing it down to a low enough level we can qualify for something. We don't qualify to be a deacon, so we're going to write us a legal law that says we don't have to do nothing. That's why I have four board members. One of them actually spoke in tongues currently. Two of them dipped tobacco didn't see no need in being filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're board members in an Assembly of God church. Does anybody see that that might be a problem? And when revival broke out, they're on the very back row. So somebody's got a light of fire that's going to burn over this stuff. It don't make no difference. I mean, it's burning it up. It's such a fire that it makes people choose. I'm getting in or I'm getting out. I'm getting away from you. I'm getting close to you, one or the other. I mean, when people get around us, either they're going to like it or they're not going to like it. They're going to say, oh, you think you're holier than everyone else. Well, God said I'm holy, so if that's what you think, I guess it's so. You, you're taking this thing too far. No, I ain't gone far enough yet. It's going to get more crazy than this. Come on. Is anybody complaining about your Christianity? And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timion, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. See, now they already messed up. Because when they laid hands on them, they found men full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom. And when they laid hands on them, 
It says, The word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. Okay, that's the apostles preaching and ministering. But, but look at this. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, he's supposed to be waiting on tables. He's supposed to be. Now, how come all of a sudden great miracles, power, stuff's happening? I said they shouldn't have let the apostles lay hands on them. It stirred something up inside of them. And, um, and, and then, who else was in that group? Philip. And he goes into Samaria. He's preaching. Signs, wonders, and miracles are happening. You know, it's funny. When he preached in Samaria, signs, wonders, miracles, healings, people believed in Jesus. They were water baptized. Then the apostles said, we need to go see what's happening. They go up there, and they said, have they received the Holy Ghost? And they said, not yet. So they started praying for them and laying hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now, Philip was an evangelist. So you see the difference in gifts. Philip, man, he has, he has let's go, signs, wonders, miracles happen. People are getting baptized. They're believing in Jesus. But I'm wondering, why didn't he lay hands on them and they get filled with the Holy Spirit? Why did it take the apostles? The apostles came and said, there's something else they need here. Because they came to equip. Philip wasn't really there to equip. He was the spear coming into the place. Bam. Stirred everything up. And then they sent the apostolic team in there to start equipping them. Can you see something going on? They laid hands on them. Bam. Something's happening. And I believe now. You know, I'm, I'm seeing things with my eyes. Like when we went to Uganda last time, and there was another lady with us from Denver, Colorado, named Mary. And when she was asking about coming on this trip, she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just kind of pray. Well, that's a pretty good thing to do. Uh, but I'm, I'm quiet, and, you know, I don't really talk in front of people and all these things. But when she got over there, and, and we usually have people get up and give testimonies or give a word, and you could tell she was, uh, that was a real struggle for her to do. But she did it. I've been in churches where deacons said, don't call on me to pray out loud. I don't pray out loud. I'm like, really? You're deacon in a church and you can't pray? What's wrong with our churches? Who voted you in? Let's have a bunch of deacons that can't pray. That surely will take us somewhere. Yeah. Take us to dead, dry, dull, and boring. And then in the... It's, it's amazing. 
the, the thing about those type of trips is you're together every day. And when you're together with Holy Ghost people, something's happened. And you're challenged every day, and you're stretched every day. And you're seeing things every day, and you're in the middle of things every day. And toward the end of the week in our conference, and Miss Mary's getting pretty bold. She's more easy with talking to, uh, talking before people. And in that conference, there's 200 people in this altar just packed in there like sardines and stuff's happening. And she goes through there, and I just touched her on the head as she went through. I could just barely reach her, and I touched her on the head. And I wasn't really expecting a whole lot to happen, me, me full of great faith. And, I mean, she burst out laughing. She got drunk like, bam. And I'm looking, I'm saying, oh, my gosh. And had three other ladies had hands all over her trying to hold her up. And I'm looking to see where the hands are, making sure they're not men. Yep, she's okay. <laughs> but really, she cannot help it. If they would have been men, she couldn't really get them off right then. But I thank God, you know. She's messed up the rest of the afternoon. Messed up getting her to the van. Messed up in the van back to the motel. We finally got her up to the motel and got her in the bed. And she couldn't get out of the bed to come eat that night. She said, oh, I don't know. My legs wouldn't move. I was paralyzed. Woo. She gets back home to church, and Brother Dan, Miss Carol's wife, Miss Carol's our missions director, she goes with us. But Brother Dan has seen uh, Mary before, and now after he says, man, I can't believe it. She's at, she's at the altar. She's praying for people up there. She's speaking in tongues. She's giving words. I mean, he's looking at her like, what happened to you? I think she got in a cluster and some new wine started coming. And that happened to several people. And that's, that's why in the book of Acts it says they met together day after day, apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread. Prayers. It says they met every day in houses and in the temple. We, we want the results of what took place in the book of Acts, but what took place was because of what took place before what took place. They met to ever, to, together every day. Now we say, well, that's impossible in our day and time. Well, look at them. They had to gather firewood to cook. They had to make everything from scratch. They had to go to the marketplace to buy stuff that was fresh made because they didn't have no refrigerators. We can do what we put our minds to doing. And sometimes we have to put our minds to it before God gives us the grace for it. How attractive is that to heaven? You know, it's one thing to tell somebody, uh, Or it's one thing to do this. Somebody sees you have high grass in your yard, and they just come and mow it. Don't that just overwhelm you a little bit? My God. Brother Terry and Miss Lori had a man that actually keeps their puppies 
somebody gave him a John Deere riding mower. He was so excited he came down and mowed their grass. I believe while they has gone. Or Did that make you happy? Pastor Terry was real happy because he'd been driving us and doing this stuff. He's tired. He's working. Come home. The grass is mowed. I mean, that just gets you a little bit excited. So compare that to you're going around saying, hey, I'll pay you $100 if you'll come mow my grass. And somebody finds, I'll do that, comes over and mows your grass. You don't really get real excited about that, but you're glad the grass was mowed. So how does that story compare? What if we're mowing God's grass and he even asked us to? What if we're going after heaven like we were in revival and he hasn't even asked us to? He hadn't given us $100. He hadn't come and visited us and wooed us and weighed us. But we said, God, we're going after it. Hallelujah. We're going to mow your grass. You can get happy or not get happy, but we're mowing the grass. Doesn't that entice heaven even? How could God resist? Visitation. What's the priority? What's our priority? It's it's really nice when God shows up. I mean, just overwhelmingly. But what if we do something to cause God to show up? Well, brother, then somebody, then you can go around saying it's because of what you did. God showed up. I don't know of any revival people weren't praying. So did John Kilpatrick say heaven shows up because we were praying every Sunday night instead of having preaching? And what's wrong with telling people, here's how heaven came. We prayed. I mean, why is that such a big, well, you guys were working for it. We're working for heaven. We're going after it. That's right. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so why, why is it a problem when we've done something to cause heaven to move? Woo. Yeah. And, and you know what? You can have heaven too if you're willing to lay down the gauntlet and go after it. Before Stephen and Philip and the seven were chosen, they said, choose some good men of good reputation full of the Holy Ghost. So are we in a position to be chosen? Many are called, but few are chosen. Are we in a position? I think people have the idea of revival that people are just going along living however they want to live, and God showed up and bammed them and changed them, and then everything shifted. But if you read about the Welch revival, that young man from the time he was 12 years old, he heard in Sunday school, his Sunday school teacher said, you know what, the day you miss may be the day God shows up. For the next 12, 14 years, he, five days a week, he never missed a day of church. 12 years old, working in a coal mine and still didn't miss. See, we, we've set up narratives that give us uh, excuses. It's just priority. And we need the Holy Ghost for those priorities. It's, I mean, it's, what God's asking is not an easy thing. 
especially when we're swayed by there's so many other opportunities out there. But there's another generation coming, and who's going to do it if we don't? See, politicians have taken us into a place like they just want to easy out one day, and they don't want to make hard decisions, and somebody else is going to have to come along and make the decision. Sometime there's a decision going to have to be made about things. I mean, when you're several trillion dollars in debt, sometimes you got to decide, I can't spend no more money. So somewhere, there's a decision that has to be made. To the best of our ability, and I think when we make that decision and we ask God, God, come and help. Come and fill me up, Lord. Come and touch me. I was excited about people in the baptistry last night making decisions. You know, we were at Georgia. There were people from China. I think somebody shared some of that. But saying, God, set me on fire. Cleanse me and wash me that I can go back into the persecution and stand holy before you. You know, made some of us say, we need to get saved again. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Woo. We bless you, Holy Spirit. Lord, teach us your word, God. John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. And I'll pray to the Father, verse 16, and he will send you another helper, one just like me. If you love me, verse 21, and obey my word. Read a couple scriptures and we're going to pray. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Make myself known. Reveal myself. People want, want God to reveal their self, but they're not interested in his commands or loving him. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but it's the Father's who sent me. How many Christians would you say are actually keeping God's word? 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 says, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. It's not a hippie, hippie Jesus sitting in heaven with a peace sign. He is an almighty, loving, graceful, mercy, merciful God. But he's about the Father's business. And he's calling us to be about the Father's business. And he said those that have given up homes and given up lands and properties, he said this will be 
restored a hundredfold in this lifetime and in the one to come. What could God do with people that have laid it down? Is anybody in here training to go to the Olympics? Is anybody about to be a millionaire? What do we got to lose? The Bible says count the cost. See if you have enough to build the tower. See if you have enough when there's an army coming that's greater than you that you're willing to go out and do battle. We can still be in this life and be the hero. (laughs) (laughs) The Bible says there's a great cloud of witnesses. What do you think they're doing when we're down here praying for somebody? You know, the Bible says when we're telling people about Jesus, Jesus is stopping all of heaven, and he's telling the Father and the angels, Hey, hey, all you, hey, come over here and look down there. They're talking about me. We need to think about that. Instead of about somebody's getting mad or upset, yeah, but Jesus is up there, and he's really getting happy. The madder they get, the more you laugh. Woo! Just be quiet. Do you understand? My father's talking about me. And he's getting really happy. He's done stopped all the angels and said, look. The thing is, he's looking at you too. Watch out, it's candid camera. Somebody's watching. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you this morning. God, you're lighting the fires. You're lighting the fires. Father, I just pray, God, for that. I believe you told me at the beginning, God, you wanted to release an evangelistic spirit, evangelistic anointing on people, God, that's going to break through, God, the, the fear, the fear of being a witness, God. Hallelujah. If you're saying, here I am, Lord, even so me. <laughs> I'm going to anoint myself. More, Lord. Woo. <laughs> so if you're here today and you're saying, God, I, I want. Father, we just believe for the same impartation. Man, sister, lay hands on people. God, for that same thing. God, we found people that are have good reputation, are full of the Holy Spirit. And God, something's about to happen. I, I believe a, a release and impartation for miracles, signs, wonders, boldness, God to be those arrows going into those dark places to light a fire. You're not just an arrow. You're a flaming arrow. 
God has lit you on fire and sent you into a dry place. And that place is about to light on fire. Come on, God. Shoot us into those dry places and light it on fire, God. You're God's arrow. He knows where he's directing you. He has you pointed at a certain place. And he's drawing the pulling the bowstring back. And he's about to release you into your destiny. If you say, here I am, God. Shoot me. Fling me into my destiny, God. I'm asking you to come this morning. We're going to pray for you. Praying for God's anointing. God, we, we just believe there's impartation this morning. God, what do we got to lose? God, you said if I'll lose this life, I'll gain real life, God. Ha, I want to lose this life. I want to lay it down, God. Ba 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 robo sotata katara ba 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 shetara bo kotara ba 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 sekatara bo sotara ba 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 kotara ba. Ooh yeah, spread out. Go ahead and spread out. Lord. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.